Welcome to the Growth Equation Podcast. We're your hosts, Brad Stahlberg and Steve Magnus. Brad, my man, another day, another podcast. What's going on? Not so much, Steve. I am looking forward to our conversation today, even though some days I'm not looking forward to our conversations, yet we still have them and we still do them well enough. And that is our topic for today, how to get going when you don't especially want to, something that lots of folks have been experiencing lately, the prominent psychologist Adam Grant called it languishing. He wrote a column that went absolutely berserk on the internet, describing a sense of emptiness that is different than burnout, short of depression, but just kind of like you want to be in bed. You're not really sad. You're certainly not happy and you just can't get going. So we thought that it would make sense to address that in today's podcast. I don't know if I should be offended or not that you don't want to have these conversations with me, Brad, but you know, we'll just we'll just leave that there. If you do enjoy in-depth conversations, don't forget to check out our Patreon group, which features a monthly book club where we go in depth with authors like David Epstein, Cal Newport, Katie Milkman, and a slew of others. You can do so at patreon.com slash the growth equation yeah you also will get signed copies of our forthcoming books um uh participation in a mastermind group and all kinds of neat guides that we've put together on sustainable performance so please check it out whether you feel like it or not your support means a lot to us it helps us keep this podcast 100 percent member funded, independent, and free of ads for things like mattresses and ketogenic cereals. So with that said, um, I want to correct Steve. Steve, I always love talking to you, but coming out of COVID, yeah, I've been languishing at times for sure. There have been many a morning where um, I just really struggled with, uh, with activation energy. So I think that's a good place to start with that term activation energy. It's something that I talk about all the time uh, with my coaching clients, and we use it to describe the amount of oomph it takes to start doing something. So when everything is clicking and you're about to approach a task that you normally enjoy, let's say working out, you're super excited, you're going to meet up with your friends, you've got one of your favorite workouts planned, you had a good night's sleep, you're feeling well-rested, it requires very little activation energy to get going. Now flip that around. You haven't been sleeping well. You're doing a workout all on your own. You have to drive to the track to get there. You have a really busy day at work and you just kind of are sitting in bed, scrolling whatever app on your phone, not wanting to get going. Completing that workout, well, even before that, getting that workout started is going to require a lot of activation energy. And the first point that I want to make is let's just separate motivation from activation energy from actually doing the thing. Because sometimes things that require a lot of activation energy end up being great. You know, using the example of workouts, some of my best training sessions have been on days that took a ton of activation energy just to get started. Yeah, it's the old runner's adage is sometimes the hardest part is getting out the door. And then once you're out the door, it 
can be great, right? And sometimes immediately great. I think where this activation energy comes in is it, it kind of gets at uh, the principle or law of least effort, which is essentially humans, animals, people, like we naturally choose the path of least resistance or the least effort. So if something takes a lot of effort or has more resistance in there, then it takes more active in activation energy to get past that. So you can you can either, you know, come at this from two different angles. You can say, okay, how do I develop that activation energy, increase that up so I can get past that? Or on the flip side, how do I clear my path as best as I can to make it simple so that I don't there's not a huge requirement of this like boost of activation needed to uh, get going or start the task. Yep. You're, what you're saying is you're either developing the muscle to push through the friction or you're removing the friction. Okay. So before we go into both of those different paths to getting going, I think it's also just important to reiterate and make explicit that there is nothing inherently wrong with something requiring a lot of activation energy. Um, it's something that Steve and I have said many times before we like to think that you need to feel really good to get going, but oftentimes you need to get going to feel good. This is true on a micro level, and it's also true on a macro level. Whether it is your first workout or your first writing session or your 1,000th workout or fifth novel, there are always going to be days, periods of time when you don't really feel like getting going. And I think that we tend to judge those periods of time instead of accepting that, hey, this is just part of being a human on the path of progress and performance. And um, it, it just having that judgment, not, or excuse me, not having that judgment that something is wrong is really helpful. Um, I think the other thing to get into, and I'm tabling this notion of push through the friction versus clear it out, is, well, we've also talked a lot about the importance of rest and recovery. So how do you deduce when you don't want to get going and you should get going to build motivation, to build energy versus the reason you don't want to get going is because you're freaking fried and you need to rest? Yeah. So let's dive into those two parts. I think the first one is interesting because I think there's a lot of judgment around this because we have this perception or expectation problem. And that is that we assume that dedicated, successful people are almost always highly motivated, right? We've created this expectation in our head that, oh, you know, the best and the best, like they just roll out of bed and are, you know, cranking out on their run, their workout, their riding, whatever have you, and don't struggle to start, which, you know, both you and I know, Brad, is complete nonsense, right? Everyone goes through periods, even the best in the best in the world, where they're just like, oh, I don't want to write, or I don't want to get in my run, or I don't want to do this. So I think it starts with setting the expectation that, you know, feeling this resistance isn't abnormal. It isn't a sign that you're not motivated. It isn't a sign that you're not dedicated. It's just a sign that you're a human being. Mm -hmm. So you're feeling the resistance, You've just heard what Steve said. You're not judging yourself for feeling it. 
Now you have to make a decision. Is the reason that my mind-body system is saying stay in bed or bag the workout or you know cancel the brainstorming session because your mind-body system is actually tired and needs rest? Or is it because you're in this broader state of languishing where what you actually need to do is just push through? And if there was a wearable device that could accurately tell you which one to do, that wearable device would be a billion dollar product. Some wearable devices portend to tell you that they know what to do. We've discussed prior, unfortunately, we don't really think that they're very valid or accurate from what we've seen. So how do you make that call intuitively? So where I like to start is just to step back and ask yourself, do I have a reason to be extremely tired? So has my sleep suffered in the past few nights? Has there been a lot of stress in my life, um, either conventionally defined stress, such as like worry, nerves, angst, and also more growth equation defined stress, such as a lot of challenge. And if you start ticking off a lot of those boxes and you're feeling like you're kind of having a hard time getting going, it could just be that you genuinely need rest. Now, If you genuinely take that rest and you give yourself a day, two days, three days, a week, maybe even two weeks to a month, if you've really been in the hole prior and you're still feeling that way, that's when, for me, the alarm bells go off that, hey, this is not just a mind-body system that needs rest. This is actually something that needs a spark plug to get going. And I think the real interesting nuance here and why this is so hard is oftentimes, People actually do need rest, but then once they start resting, their whole thing shuts down and they need to jump themselves out of rest. This is exactly like a taper in an elite athlete. Yeah, you know, I have a similar kind of question I ask, uh, which is what are the barriers that are kind of pushing me in that direction? And in that, what are the barriers? Is it an actual reason or is it what I'll just call an excuse? So... You know, Brad hinted there, or Brad, you did a great job exploring this in the sense that, you know, if I just finished a really hard couple of days of working out the day, the couple of days before, that's a good valid reason maybe to consider, you know, taking a rest day or to recover. If I wake up and I look outside and I'm like, ah, it's really hot or it's raining outside or it's really humid, that tends to go into the, well, this is my mind trying to develop an excuse for why I should, you know, stop or not do the activity I'm, I'm trying to do, right? So it's separating that nuance. And then I think the important piece here, which gets to that, that nuance that you discussed on almost feeling that, that what in sport we'd call that kind of taper doldrum is, will the activity I'm about to do help or hinder? Right. And what I mean by that is sometimes doing some sort of activity, I'll stick in the athletic realm, going for a light jog, even though it's something that requires a little of that activation to get going, can actually help me in the long run in terms of recovery, getting me back in the same bout. Same thing if we're talking about writing, right? Sometimes when I've been in, we'll call it just, you know, a block where it's like my mind isn't sharp, I'm not doing a good job, I'm kind of pushing off writing. Sometimes just sitting down and writing a simple blog post will help stimulate that mind and get me going. 
So it helps over the long run. So I think those two distinctions are are really important to kind of tease out and work out for yourself. Yep. And, and also in the taper, what I had in mind was slightly different, which is oftentimes if an athlete is going to taper for two to three weeks and the days before the race, they sprinkle in some high intensity work, not a lot to make them tired, but enough to like kind of snap themselves out of that period of rest. Um, and I think that that is apropos here, particularly coming off of a year and a half, like the last one that we had with a global pandemic, massive social unrest, um, all kinds of things that have really raised the stress bucket for people. I think a lot of people are thinking like, yeah, no crap. Like I'm languishing or I'm tired. It's been a heck of a year. But then when you start asking yourself these questions of, well, am I sleep deprived? No. Am I um, sick? No. Then that is when it starts to be like, hey, maybe I'm like an athlete that is deep in a taper and like I'm kind of so shut down that what I actually need to do is nudge myself out of it by doing something. Um, And that's when suddenly is the, the podcast host Rich Roll likes to say mood follows action. Like... No amount of resting, no amount of self-talk, no amount of anything is going to turn around your mood. You actually have to act your way out. And that's the activation energy concept that we introduced. Um, So I think this is a good point to pause just for a second because we've been kind of dense. So start it off. How do you get going when you don't want to? And what we first debunked is the notion that you need to feel good to start, that oftentimes you need to start to feel good. Then we talked about this difference between true fatigue when what you actually need to do is not start, rest, recover, versus what we'll call kind of the illusion of fatigue, which is when you actually need to jumpstart the system. And what makes it so tricky is oftentimes we do need real rest, but then that real rest kind of sinks in and we need to jumpstart ourselves out of it. Uh, So that's where we're at right now. And I think it's important, too, to talk about this really is um, a phenomenon that works in even the most extreme cases. So if you look at gold standard therapy for clinical depression, um, in addition to medication, it is behavioral activation, which literally means just like start doing stuff, even if you don't want to, even if your brain's telling you that you can't, you shouldn't, it's meaningless, whatever the depressed brain is saying, just push through to do stuff. Um, because a mind-body system that is in a rut cannot think or feel its way out of that rut. So now we're at the point where you've identified that the issue isn't that you need more rest or that you've already been resting. The issue is just that you don't really want to get started. You've got Brad and Steve in the science saying, well, that's okay, but it doesn't really matter. You should get started anyways. Now we're back to what Steve said, which is, well, how do you push through the friction? Or do you just try to move the friction altogether? Great. So why don't we just go through a couple scenarios and um, explain stuff? So I think one of the tactics that I like to use if I have that friction is to first lower the bar. And that often what happens is the thing that we're trying to do is seen as so big or something that I can't tackle, that that almost becomes the excuse itself, right? It's like, well, I don't want to go outside and spend the next hour or hour and a half working out. Like, I could be doing X, Y, and Z. Like, that's a lot of effort. 
So what do you do there is you just lower the bar. You know, for myself, again, using running examples, whenever I felt like, oh, I don't want to get out the door and I don't want to run. And I knew that, you know, from a recovery standpoint, I probably should is instead of saying, hey, I had 10 miles on the schedule. A lot of times I'll be like, you know what? Just get out there and do two miles and then see how you feel. Right. And if you don't feel good, you know, come back in. But getting like lowering the bar and giving myself permission to do less, like often what happened is it I got out there, you know, started two miles in, I feel good, and I end up doing the whole thing. Occasionally, you know, I'd call it at that point, but lowering that bar lowers that resistance and allows you to kind of get over the hurdle and uh, get going. Love it. So to me, that is an example of removing the friction because there the friction psychic, which is like, oh my gosh, I have this 10 mile run. And you're saying, nope, you're only got a two mile run now. Just, just we'll reevaluate then. Um, Another more physical example of removing the friction that I like to use is to ask yourself, what are the things that I do in these moments that I often regret later or that don't actually make me feel better? So the most common example that I've come across in my talking about this with other people is the sitting in bed or on the computer, scrolling social media or kind of like broadly reading, but not really reading internet newspapers. And if you're really tired, go take a nap. If you're really lonely, go call a friend or take a walk around your neighborhood, go to a coffee shop. If you're catching yourself scrolling, that's generally a sign that you're kind of in this space where it's not going to make you feel better and you have enough energy to do that. So you might as well just say, I need to do the thing that I set out to do or that will actually give me a chance of feeling better. So for me, scrolling is like the ultimate cue to just go. And this falls in the bucket of strengthening that muscle. Um, And it's key that you don't judge yourself. So scrolling is actually like, uh, in this view, a really positive phenomenon. Because once you realize you're scrolling, you're like, oh, this is great. Like, this is kind of the alarm bell saying, all right, time to actually go. Um, And that's, that, that's, scrolling is one of many examples, but the general approach I think is, is powerful, which is identify the things that you do when you're languishing that don't really help you. And when you catch yourself doing them, non-judgmentally, be aware of what's happening. Say, oh, thank you for this cue to actually nudge myself, force myself to do something more meaningful that's going to provide more nourishment. Yeah, I, I like to call those things fillers, right? Where we just fill that time and that space with other things. Nowadays, it's almost always scrolling. Uh, but, you know... Back in the day, it could be reading the newspaper, whatever it was, but you just fill your time and space so that it's occupied and then time goes by and then you're just like, oh, never mind. I don't have time to do this thing anymore. Um, I got another filler for you. I'm curious what your other fillers are. Constantly like going to the refrigerator, opening it and closing it, like looking for the miraculous thing that's going to satiate you when you're not actually even hungry and you're not really eating anything. That's a good filler. <laughs> I call yeah. it doing like inventory, except I'm not even making a list of what we need. Just kind of like, huh, 
I wonder like if there's something more interesting than the work I'm supposed to do in my refrigerator right now. Yep, I do that one too. The wandering into the kitchen is what I call it. And just kind of looking around and sometimes grabbing something and sometimes realizing, oh, I'm not really hungry. I'm just like eating or staring at this snack for no good reason. So I, I do that a lot. Um, what else? Um, you know, honestly, uh, my dog, our dog has become a filler to a degree because I'm just like, oh, I'm going to go like, look, the dog needs me. I will get away from this uh, writing session that's going on and go mindlessly sometimes play with the dog. Uh, but sometimes is that a filler? I, what? Is that really a filler? It's like a, it, it depends if it's like intentional or not, you know, it, a lot of times it's a great break, but sometimes it's like, even after it's a break and the dog is still there, I'll just be like, all right, you know what? We're going to go, we're going to, you know, do whatever you need to do. I'm going to throw a tennis ball at you. Um, so I, I think to some degree it, it can be if it lasts for too long or is, you know, getting in the way. Um, Let's see, what else in terms of fillers? I think mine are almost always grabbing for the phone. I wouldn't call reading a filler because I intentionally do that. I think, yeah, the kitchen stuff is definitely one. You know, the the other thing, so if you're struggling with these fillers, what I found works really well is you give yourself less time to think. And what I mean by that is if I think back to my own running, for example, if I was struggling or filling time in the morning, what I would often do is try and like make it make the time period compress so much so that I only had time for this like, you know, six, seven, eight mile run before I was going to do something else. Right. And then try and decrease the time I went from getting up to out the door. So I literally try and have that be like, you know, two, three minutes, something ridiculous where I, I would say, you know what, I'm not going to eat anything. I'm not, I'm just going to down some water and then just try and get out the door as fast as I could. Because I knew if I got up, maybe, you know, had a goo or a bar, then waited 30 minutes and then went, went for my run. Like that time, that too much time in the morning would give me enough time to think and talk myself out of doing this thing that I probably should have done. Yeah, that's such a good strategy just to to not give yourself the chance to to languish. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Okay, good. So that's the that's the that's the filler technique or the is this really providing value and is this going to make me feel better technique. Another one that I find is if I catch myself designing too many of my days around efficiency, even though on its face it looks really good, I start to feel like crap. And that is often because what I'm doing is not prioritizing interactions with other people because those take more time. So the example in my life is uh, pretty acute because I've I've dealt with this over the last two months and noticed such a dramatic change. Um, sorry, guys, we're using all of these fitness examples, but hopefully for those of you that aren't into sport, you can see how this stuff applies more broadly. 
um, but it's it's something that we know a bit about. So during COVID, um, we were very buttoned up, and that meant that I did all of my training at home and decided to invest in a power rack, some nice plates, a barbell, basically a modest home gym. And um, training became solitary and it became very efficient. I could go from coffee to bathroom to gym in like 11 minutes. And there was no one that was interrupting me during the workout. I just put myself on a timer, took the minimum rest that I needed between exercises and got through my workout between 45 and, and 55 minutes. We're vaccinated. COVID numbers are way down in the community and there's a great gym. And I kept saying, like, I should go to the gym, but I didn't go to the gym because going to the gym would add at least an hour in my workout. We're talking 15 minutes commuting each way, going in the car and kind of getting tightened up, which requires a little bit more warming up, and then the quote unquote interruptions to my workout. So I just put it off, put it off, put it off. And I became like really tired and low energy a little while ago. And and one of the things that came to my mind is like, huh. I wonder if I need to follow my own advice here. And maybe the reason that I'm tired is because like I haven't been going into the gym and just being with people outside of my wife who lives here throughout the day because we both are working from home right now. So I started going to the gym and within a week, it's like no longer felt like I wanted to nap every afternoon. So in theory, like I'm training harder at the gym it's taking me longer, I'm less efficient, yet I'm feeling more energized and less stress. Because for me, being in that social situation, feeding off that energy and not thinking of my workout as something that had to be efficient, but just like, this is going to take two hours in the middle of the day. And I'm privileged that like, I'm not going to lose my job if I do that. So I'm going to do it. Um, that was a game changer for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, get that 100%. I mean, it's the reason why, for example, when doing a long run, sometimes we'll drive further to, you know, meet friends to go run with. Why? Because like, a, it holds you accountable, but you also get like that good activation energy of like being around others, socializing, being able to like discuss or vent or just, you know, being with other people doing the same thing, challenging thing that you're doing is energizing and might not be efficient, but it's energizing that allows you to probably be uh, awake, have higher arousal, et cetera, during the rest of the day, which is incredibly important. I so, agree. Yep. So right there with you. I think groups are important. And I think, you know, the great the greater point you're making there is something that I think you know, you can go both ways on this stuff. And sometimes people can, you know, they struggle to get activated, get out, be motivated to do things. But other times people are what I'd call like hyper specific on their schedule and they're incredibly efficient at it. So it becomes like part of their habits and they're easy to, it's easy to do. And it's not a, it's not a, um, you know, a distinction of being able to get out the door and doing it because their their schedule is so efficient, their system is so efficient that they're going to do it. But a lot of times what happens is that energy and motivation not to get started, but that motivation to do the things starts to drag because it is so almost um, 
again, so scheduled, so constraining instead of something that fills your bucket up. Yep. Yep. All these things are very much um, nuanced and non-dual. I mean, it's back to where we started with sometimes you actually need to rest. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you need to rest until you don't need to rest. Um, And on the one hand, you might say like, well, are you guys really telling me anything at all? And I would push back and say, yes, we are, because anyone that just tells you, like, do this or do that, they're, they're, they're missing out on, on the importance of the, the nuance here. I, I think this should be our new title of our podcast. Are you telling me anything at all? The nuance with Brad and Steve, because that's what, that's what we do here. Well, someone hit us up on Twitter. I don't know if you saw, Steve. Um, I, was, I was stalling or filling my time this morning. Like, this is actually true when I saw this. But someone hit us up on Twitter and said, the reason that Brad and Steve's podcast doesn't have hundreds of thousands of listeners is because the answer to everything they talk about is it depends, <laughs> which is precisely why everyone should listen. And I thought that was like the best comment or review that I could have ever imagined from the podcast. That man, I didn't see that, but that is that is spot on, hopefully. I mean, that's what we strive to do. And this is another great example. Um, and it might not get us the popular popularity of the hot takes, but the reality is life is nuanced and we talk about that all the time, but you know, at different points in our life, in different points in our week, month, day, we're going to we're going to need to use different strategies. Right. And I think that's what, Brad, we're getting at here is sometimes it's going to take a lot of energy to get going. And sometimes we're going to need to, like, increase our activation to get through it. Sometimes we're going to need to remove the barrier. Sometimes, like, we're just going to have to push through it. And other times, like we're going to have motivation or sorry, we're going to be activated to get out the door. But then our motivation wanes um, to do the actual actual activity. For example, we have no problem sitting down at our desk to write and staring at the Word document and maybe putting out some crappy sentences. But we need the energy to be able to be intentional or deliberate or the motivation to be intentional or deliberate during that writing session so that it's actually of good quality right so there's so much nuance in here yeah and that listener i just found it in my twitter notifications mike thomas if you're out there if you're still listening and tolerating our it depends nature we appreciate you you put a big smile on my face this morning so thank you all right, our man, our man Mike. Yeah, so where to go from here? Um, I'm not sure we need to go anywhere else. I, I think that we covered a lot of grounds. I think you know it's all about developing that toolkit so that in these it depends situations you can evaluate your tools. So, are you really tired and need to rest, or is this more of a rut or a sense of languishing that you need to break out of? If it's the former, give yourself the rest, but be aware that proper rest can turn into inertia and a rut. If it's the latter, then ask yourself, what's my best path forward? Is it to eliminate friction? And we went over some strategies and tactics to do that. Or is it to build up the muscle to push through? And I think the the last point that I'll make about building up that muscle is I think that there's a case to be made for if you take away the judgment 
from needing to feel like you need a lot of activation energy to get going, then it no longer becomes problematic. So, uh, how does this play out in the real world? Ugh, it like everything is such an effort to get going. Well, now you're judging it. And then you're like, well, why is this the case? You know, what's wrong with me? Versus, ugh, everything is such an effort to get going. And sometimes there are seasons of life where energy levels are low and things are harder and that's okay. And you don't have to judge yourself. Now, is that permission to not make changes in your life that are making things hard? Of course not. You want to make those changes when you can, but just not problematizing the fact that not everybody is super motivated and super inspired all the time. Um, we alluded to this earlier, particularly because when you see the Instagram post or the Twitter post or the finished book or the person getting promoted or the gold medal or whatever it is, no one is showing you like a picture of that person, you know, scratching their balls in the morning, not getting out of bed. Um, but everyone goes through periods where that happens. Yeah. You know, it, it's bringing reality back into a world that uh, is often distorted. And I think that if you take away anything from this podcast is incredibly important, especially as our world becomes more and more social media distorted in the sense that even those people who are at the top of their game, like struggle to go through some of the basics at some point to get, to get started, to do their job, to write their book, to get out the door, to go for their run, to work out, whatever have you. Um, it, it's, it's a struggle, you know, and giving yourself permission not to judge um, helps you free yourself up so that you can navigate those kind of difficult, but also nuanced questions that, that we just, you know, provided there on, is this something that, rest can help is this something that rest can hinder are there things that i can do to you know jump start my motivation to get going um and it frees you up to use the different tools and tactics that that may work and hopefully makes you a little bit more of a compassionate person too um about a week ago uh in game four of the nba finals um Giannis, I always mispronounce his last name, his last name, so I'm sorry. I think it's Anna de Kumpo. Um, no, I got that wrong. The diehard basketball fans will correct me. But Giannis, the Greek freak, as he's known colloquially, probably my favorite player in the NBA. Um, he just wasn't engaged in the game. And a lot of people are speculating that he's experiencing anxiety. And so many people were like, attacking him or saying, how could you do this? Or how could you have anxiety? Um, most notably, this guy named Skip Blayless that is just a grade A asshole talking head. Um, but I'm thinking like, no shit, he's experiencing anxiety. He's 25 years old. He's in the NBA finals. He's the only player on his team that is consistently good. Like, come on, give the kid a break. He's a he's like a young adult or a young man with so much on his shoulders um, so I think that, you know, as I said, it's just a culture that really kind of overlooks the challenging things that lie behind greatness and just wants to see this, the spectacle of greatness, but forgets that, you know, Marvel movies are fiction and it's harder than that. Yep. We're humans. We're not robots. Even the best of the best of us, right? We all struggle, go through anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. So it's reality. 
Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, hopefully this gave you um, some good tools, principles, concepts to think about how to get going when you don't want to. Uh, as we mentioned at the outset, if you like what we do and you like the show, um, check us out on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash the growth equation. And um, at the very least, if you could, please rate and review the show. Um, there's all kinds of algorithms in the various podcast catchers and the more ratings and reviews we have, the more people that the show will reach. So it takes about 10 to 15 seconds. And, um, if you can reach for your device and do that right now safely, please do. And otherwise we will catch you next Wednesday morning. Thanks for listening to the growth equation podcast. Learn more about our work and find show notes at our website, www.thegrowtheq.com. Follow us on Twitter, at B. Stahlberg and at Steve Magnus. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, as this goes a long way in helping it reach others.